Hi everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the Learning British Accent podcast. Thank you very much for listening and I've noticed that quite a few of you have started to watch all the or rather listen to all the back episodes so thank you very much for that remember you can also subscribe to the podcast on itunes so you'll never miss an episode okay so on with the show and what's on this week's episode well we've got the rhyme yankee doodle we've got the fairy tale the snowman and the vocab this week's is kids outdoor toys So things like swimming pools, you know, paddling pools, bicycles, that sort of thing. But we're starting this week with um, a news article, which is English expressions coined in World War One, which I think you'll find particularly interesting. Thanks for listening. Section one. News article. The English expressions coined in World War One. World War I gave rise to expressions and slang such as blighty and cushy, but only some are still used, says Kate Wilde, senior assistant editor of the Oxford English Dictionary. Zeps in a cloud, anyone? Toot sweet? But liberty cabbage, no bon. If you're not sure what the last line means, you're not alone. World War I gave rise to a number of slang and colloquial expressions such as these, but some lasted longer than others. The close contact of French and British troops in World War I resulted in a number of slang expressions borrowed from French, often with humorous anglicisation of spelling and pronunciation. Some are very much associated with the war and did not make their way into mainstream colloquial English. For example, no bon, English no, alongside French bon, meaning good, and napu, from il n'y en a plus, or il n'y a plus, there is no more, which was used in the war to mean finished, no more, or as a verb to mean kill. Poor Bill got napooed by a rifle grenade yesterday. Others, such as tout sweet, from tout to sweet, immediately, are still in use. Toot sweet is strictly speaking not a World War I coinage, as examples are found in English from the early 19th century, but it gained widespread currency only during the war, and the heavily anglicised form, the tooter the sweeter, the sooner the better, is certainly a World War I phrase. Another word which may have been borrowed from French is skive, first used as a military slang term during the war, before passing into general usage. The etymology of skive is uncertain, but it may have derived from French esquiver, to escape, avoid. If so, the word would be the most prominent addition to English from French resulting from World War I. After the introduction of conscription in 1916, the distinction between soldiers and civilians became less clear and vocabulary passed readily from one group to the other. This is the case with a number of words borrowed from Indian languages by the British military in the 19th century, perhaps the most well-known of which is Blighty. The Urdu words Vilayat, inhabited country, specifically Europe or Britain, and Vilayati, foreign or British, English-European, were borrowed by the British in the 19th century. Both are still used in South Asian English, 
but it was the regional variant Bilayati rendered as blighty in English and meaning Britain, England, home, which really took off in Britain. Although it was first used during the Boer War, it was not until World War I that blighty spread widely and developed new meanings. A blighty wound was a wound sufficiently serious to merit being sent home, and one might also be hit by a blighty bullet inflicting such a wound. Similarly, cushy, easy, comfortable, was borrowed from Urdu Kusi in the 19th century, but spread to civilian use only in World War I. Section 2. Vocab Kids' Outdoor Toys Paddling pool, paddling pool, pogo stick, pogo stick, scooter, scooter, bicycle, bicycle, swing ball, swing ball, basketball, basketball, football, football, sandpit, sandpit. Playhouse, 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 trampoline, trampoline, skateboard, skateboard. Section 3 Fairy Tales The Snowman Once upon a time there was a snowman who wanted to learn to run like the human boys who had made him. Don't worry, barked the old yard dog. The sun will make you run some day. Last winter I saw him make your predecessor run and his predecessor before him. They all have to go away. It never fails. I don't understand you, friend, said the snowman. Is that thing glowing in the sky supposed to teach me to run? I saw it running itself a little while ago and now it has come slinking up from the other side. You know nothing at all, replied the yard dog, but then you've only just been made. What you see over there is the moon. The one before it was the sun. It will come again tomorrow and most likely teach you to run down into the ditch by the well, because I think the weather is going to change. I can feel it in my bones. I don't understand him, said the snowman to himself. But I have a feeling that he is talking about something unpleasant. The one who stared so just now, that he calls the sun, is not my friend. I can feel that too. The dog was right. There was a definite change in the weather. Toward morning a thick fog covered the whole country, and a brisk wind arose so that the cold seemed to freeze to the bone. But when the sun rose, the sight was splendid and glittering. Trees and bushes were covered with frost and looked like a forest of dazzling diamonds. This is really beautiful, said a young girl, who had come into the garden with a young man. They both stood still near the snowman and contemplated the sparkling white scene. Summer cannot compete with winter's beauty, she exclaimed. They admired the snowman and then skipped away over the snow. Who are those two? asked the snowman of the yard dog. You've been here longer than I have. Do you know them? Of course I know them, replied the yard dog. 
She has patted my back many times, and he's given me a bone of meat. I never bite those two. But who are they? asked the snowman. They're sweethearts, he replied. They will go and live in the same kennel some day, chew at the same bone, and share the same water bowl. Are they the same kind of beings as you and I? asked the snowman. Well, they belong to the same master, said the yard dog. I can see that people who were born just yesterday know very little. I can see that in you. I have age and experience. I know everyone here in the house. And I know there was once a time when I did not lie out here in the cold, fastened to a chain. The cold is delightful, said the snowman. But tell me about being a puppy. I used to lie in a velvet-covered chair up at the master's house and sit in the mistress's lap, the dog began. They used to kiss my nose and wipe my paws with an embroidered handkerchief. I was called my sweet puppy love. But after a while I grew too big for them, and they sent me away to the housekeeper's room. I went to live in the basement. You can look into that room from where you stand and see where I was master once for I was master to the housekeeper. It was certainly a smaller room than those upstairs, but I was comfortable. I was not always being taunted by the kids. I received good food, and I had my own cushion with my name Theodore stitched on it. There was a stove. I'd lie in front of it. Does a stove look beautiful? asked the snowman. Is it at all like me? It is just the opposite of you, said the dog. It's as black as a crow and has a long neck and a brass knob. It eats firewood so that fire blows out of its mouth. Section 4 Nursery Rhyme Yankee Doodle Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a pony. He stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Thank you for listening. For more British accent training, visit www.learningbritishaccent.com.